You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, well, there's nothing you can't ask on the Savage Podcast. I'm going to play a clip just to start the show uh, from Michelle Obama's speech to the Democratic National Convention last week. If, if farmers and blacksmiths could win independence from an empire, if, if immigrants could leave behind everything they knew for a better life on our shores, if women could be dragged to jail for seeking the vote, if a generation could defeat a depression and define greatness for all time, if a young preacher could lift us to the mountaintop with his righteous dream, and if proud Americans can be who they are and boldly stand at the altar with who they love, then surely, surely, we can give everyone in this country a fair chance at that great American dream. I just want to pause here to, to emphasize what a big fucking deal that was, uh, to use a Joe Bidenism. Uh, not just that, you know, for years, really since the 80s, 88, gays have gotten name checked in speeches at Democratic National Conventions, which usually meant slipping the word gay into a long list of, uh, you know, Democratic constituencies. Uh, but we've never been mentioned like this as a part of the, Amer- you know, in the rousing section of the speech, this big American dream sort of fireworks going off, rabble rousing thing. And the 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 struggle for gay and lesbian equality equated to the founding fathers and their revolution against the British, the immigration experience, uh, women's uh, struggle for the vote, uh, the, the, the African-American civil rights movement, Martin Luther King. And then we come right there at the end, right before the invocation of the American dream and the place goes crazy. That is so significant. Uh, that tells you everything you need to know about the difference between the two parties right now. I know there are a lot of right-wing dumb fuck homos out there who are trying to confuse gay and lesbian voters. Oh, hey, we had a cocktail party at the Republican National Convention and 600 people came. That means the GOP is on your side. Please don't read our platform, which calls for the reinstatement of Don't Ask, Don't Tell and a ban on marriage equality, a platform plank that was written by Tony Perkins of the Family Research Council, SPLC, designated anti-gay hate group. Please don't look at that. Just look at Ann Coulter having a cocktail with her faggy friends and that's all the proof. No, this is the proof. This is all you need to know about which party is on your side. Anyway, I didn't want to get, you know, mired in the gay shit. Uh, hey, the Democratic National Convention was last week. Wasn't Michelle great? Wasn't Bill Clinton amazing? Wasn't Barack Obama good? And wasn't the jobs report on Friday morning after the convention sucky? So we got work to do. We got an election to win. Uh, if you haven't already donated to Obama's reelection campaign, I would encourage you to do that. Go to BarackObama.com. But like I said, I didn't want to dwell on that. You know, Democratic National Convention last week, it was awesome. Uh, I really wanted to mention this. I wanted to start the show with this, but I felt I had to mention what a big fucking deal Michelle Obama's speech was. But this is what I wanted to lead the show off with. Uh, a Roman Catholic bishop last week in Kansas City was found guilty, convicted. He was put on trial uh, for failing to report suspected child abuse. Not only did he fail to report it, this is Kansas City Bishop Robert Finn, uh, he covered it up and enabled more children to be abused because of his cover-up. 
The case began, writes the New York Times, when Reverend Sean Radigan, charismatic parish priest, blah, 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 uh, took his computer in to have it serviced. And the uh, technician immediately went to church officials because what they found on the laptop, quote, appeared to be pornographic photographs of young girls' genitals naked and clothed. Father Radican attempted suicide, survived, was sent for treatment, and Bishop Finn reassigned him to live in a convent and ordered him very sternly to stay away from children. But Father Radican, writes the New York Times, continued to attend church events and to take lewd pictures of girls for five more months until church officials reported him in 2011 without Bishop Finn's approval. So other church officials went behind the bishop's back to the police while the bishop was trying to protect this motherfucker and enabled him to abuse and traumatize more children. So he's guilty. I guess he's going to jail, right? Wrong. Bishop Finn was found guilty of one misdemeanor charge, not guilty on a second charge that he seemed to be very fucking guilty because of that second charge is about failure to report. The county was found guilty on carried a maximum penalty of one year in jail and a thousand dollar fine. But the good bishop was sentenced to two years of court supervised probation. And if he doesn't break any laws in the next two years, this will all be expunged from his record. Let's pause here for a moment and imagine that, say, I had done this, had done exactly what the bishop did. Would I get this kind of a break from a court? Would I get two years of probation and then we'll pretend the whole thing never happened? No, I would go to jail. You would go to jail. Anybody who didn't have that goofy bishop's hat on his head would go to fucking jail. This perverse deference to Catholic authorities, to bishops, to cardinals, to popes is itself a kind of enabling of child abuse. This going easy on them because they're men of God. He only meant to do right. He only he was true because, oh, he loves Jesus so much. Pisses me the fuck off. The message, of course, to every pedophile on earth out there is if you want to get away with it and you want friends who will help you get away with it and you want courts to go easy on you if you get caught, go get ordained first. Your call's after this. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 100,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash savage. ExtremeRestraints.com is the ultimate fetish store and so much more. No matter how vanilla or how kinky you are, Extreme Restraints carries toys for you. They've got huge selections of premium vibrators, bondage gear, fucking machines, cock jewelry, and more at great prices. Save an extra 10% with coupon code GGGSEPTEMBER. Double that discount if you use it by Sunday. Hey, Dan. Um, I'm a gay male from Gadsden, Alabama, and it's a very small town, a very Christian town, and I am calling to kind of get advice on how to come out and deal with being out in such a small town, and also to family members. My mother is very into church. She is um, actually sort of like a pastor um, in a church, and I still live at home. I'm 18, and that's the main problem is trying to come out to her. I don't know really how to come out to her. Um, once kind of came out sort of whenever I was 16. I mean, it wasn't 
sort of directed towards being gay, but she flipped out whenever I was 16, told me I would have to move out. And now, here I am at 18 years old, back again with trying to tell her this, and it's not working out. So if you could give me some advice on how to do that, that would be great. Thanks. Here's a funny thing. Um, I was just reading my Bible, uh, which I keep handy right by my side here whenever I do the podcast. Um, and Paul in Corinthians uh, writes, Women should remain silent in the churches. They are not allowed to speak, but must be in submission, as the law says. If they want to inquire about something, they should ask their own husbands at home, for it is disgraceful for a woman to speak in church. Might want to mention that to your pastor mom who presumably speaks in church, despite what it says in Paul uh, about women speaking in church. Because usually uh, fundamentalist Christian bigots, when you challenge them on everything that's in the Old Testament that condemns homosexuality, you challenge them about the other shit in the Old Testament, like stone your daughters on their wedding nights if they're not virgins, stone them to death, adulterers should be put to death, don't eat pork. Um, they shift gears and say, oh, well, New Testament, you know, we're not people of the Old Testament, we're people of the New Testament, and Paul condemns homosexuality. So your mother may lean on Paul in an argument with you about your right to be who the fuck you are. Uh, And then you can read her that passage and see how that goes over. If she's going to lean on Paul's anti-gay shit, uh, she better not be in church when she's talking to you about it, because when she's in church, she's supposed to keep her fucking trap shut, says Paul. Um, here's what you need to do. Uh, I don't mean to you know, make fun of or minimize uh, your plight. And it really is a plight. A new study just came out that shows that the single largest contributing factor to uh, suicides by LGBT youth is religion and religiosity and religious family members who bully them. Uh, so you're in a perilous place. And what I think you need to do is plan your escape and achieve complete autonomy and then come out to your family from a position of strength where you're not dependent on them. Right now you are dependent on them because you are living at home. You're 18 years old. Get your ass to school. Get the fuck out of that small town if you can. Make your escape plan, if not your escape, now. Start making that plan now. One of my favorite It Gets Better videos from the beginning of the campaign was this guy who grew up in a small, conservative, religious town that was really intolerant where he was pretty brutally bullied and he turns the camera and shows what he calls his fuck you wall and it is his framed diplomas from the medical schools that he put himself through that he went through and this is his fuck you wall because it got these degrees got him out and he has a wonderful life with his partner in Vancouver and he's a doctor you need to start thinking about what's going to go on your fuck you wall so that you can Plan your escape, finance your escape, get the fuck out of that small town, and then come out to your parents, come out to your mom from a position of strength where she's not able to retaliate against you. Right now, you're in a position where you can't come out without risking homelessness and abuse at the hands of your parents. You already tried to come out, and they played that card. They bullied you back into the closet. They know you're gay. They're not asking you to be straight. They're just asking you, demanding, insisting that you never come out because that will embarrass them. You are supposed to live the next 60, 70 years of your life warped and alone in the closet to spare your mother the embarrassment of getting over her fucking bullshit about gay people. To spare your mother from having to love her own son more than she loves a few scraps of archaic bullshit. In her Bible. 
So here's what you're going to do. You're going to plan your escape, whether that means community colleges in a nearby town, uh, a slightly bigger town, uh, you know, moving away, finding a job, finding a roommate uh, in another place, starting over, standing on your own two feet. And then you turn to your parents and say, I'm gay. I'm not taking it back this time. Fuck you. If you can't love and accept me, I'm not going to see you. I say this to young LGBT kids all the time. So many of us are in this defensive crouch when we're coming out or or used to be because we feared our family's rejection. The new model is you make them fear yours. The only leverage you have over your parents is your presence in their lives as they age. And they can have you for who you are and love you for who you are and have you in their lives or not. And you can get out there and you can build your own family and you can make better friends find a partner, build a life independent of them, and they'll come around. They almost always do. But to my advice right now to you, plan your fucking escape. And when you do come out to your mom, have Paul handy. Hey, Dan. I chose with my husband to come out to my parents about the fact that our relationship is open on a recent trip home. And now my sister, who barely even speaks to me anyway because she can't be bothered, is screaming at me that my parents will never get over this and if they die of a stress-related disease she's going to blame me and why on earth would I tell them that and it's just about fucking anyway and and the reason we came out about our open relationship is because we're both seriously involved with other people who really matter to us and she's like it's just fucking it's just it's just dicks it's which is funny because my sister's no angel as far as I know which is through other people because she doesn't ever talk about it um anyway I I need help I guess like what what do I tell my parents? Like, where's the primer on, like, how to get over the fact that your kids are in an open relationship and decide that perhaps your grandchildren aren't going to be, like, poisoned through their moral turpitude? I, I, and maybe my sister was right, and they weren't going to be ready for me to hear it, and they were never going to be. She said that I'm not thinking right, and I haven't. She's like, you've always been so thoughtful, and this is just not thinking. And I don't know which part, maybe the whole thing, maybe me being in an open relationship or maybe me coming out either way. It's just, this is intensely painful, not because of my sister, who's like, I could tell she's in pain and that was sad, but it's sad because she's in pain about my parents. And I am distressed to think I've caused my parents this much pain. You know, they think I'm lost. I expected that. They tell me I wasn't raised this way. It's true, I wasn't. I, I guess I'm okay. How do I help my parents, like, adjust and decide that I'm not going to ruin their life or that my marriage is a sham? Because it's not. It's the most important thing in my life. I'm going to invite listeners who may have been in similar situations, uh, people in non-monogamous relationships, uh, people with others in their lives that they were committed to besides their spouses who came out to their families and stuck that dismount uh, to call in and share their stories and uh, and how they did it and any advice they might have for you about reading material that you could pass along to your parents. Nothing uh, comes to mind. Nothing comes to my mind right now. Uh, here's what you do. You know, your parents think you're lost and – I support you coming out to your parents about this. You know, the, the dividing line often, you know, when it comes to our parents and our sex lives and our romantic lives and our intimate lives is what do they need to know? And if you're in a relationship that sort of defaults monogamous, like it appears to be monogamous, uh, but it's technically open, but you, you don't have anybody else in your life who's, you know, an intimate partner, uh, you know, you don't have a boyfriend in addition to a husband, someone who's going to be around. I don't think you – 
necessarily have to TMI the shit out of that with your family. You can let them think you're monogamous and be in an open relationship. I, I think that contributes to you know attitudes and stigma about being in an open relationship because the only time anyone hears about one is when it fails. Then you find out it was not monogamous. Uh, but I don't think you're required. I think it would be good if more people who had open relationships were honest about it, as I am. Um, but, you know, managing your parents, do they need to know? Sometimes they don't. But in your case, they needed to know because it's not just that you have a husband, but you're both seriously involved with other people that you said. And hiding that fact from them, hiding those people from them, if you want to have any kind of relationship with your parents, would require going into the closet and dragging these other people into the closet with you. And that wouldn't be fair. And so I think you did the right thing. And what you've done now is you've found yourself in the same position that so many of us who are gay were in when we came out to our families. Right? Mom and dad are freaking the fuck out. We didn't raise you this way. They think, uh, you know, we didn't raise you this way. I think you're lost. Um, All the shit that you're hearing is absolutely word for word stuff that uh, gay people heard when we came out to our families. And the only thing that calmed our parents down was keeping the relationship going and letting them see that the assumptions and prejudices that they held about what it meant to be gay didn't jibe with the reality of our lives, that we weren't lost, that we actually – were the people that they raised us to be. We had same-sex partners, but we were good and decent and honest and kind uh, and you know, did for family the way family does for family and that all of the, the values about relationships that they instilled in us were clearly evident, were there. We weren't not the people they raised us to be. We were just not straight people. You can prove to your mother and father over time that you are the people, that you are the person they raised you to be. You're just not a monogamous person. That's not, you know, if you were in a monogamous relationship and you were robbing banks and killing people and torturing cats, you would not be the person that they raised you to be, even if you were monogamous. Monogamous isn't the make or break quality that your parents instilled in you. And these are things you're going to say to them and these are things you're going to prove to them. You're going to say these things to your mom and dad because you can't unsay what you said. You can't take it back. Just like once you're out, you're out. When you're gay, once you've told them that you're gay, it's really hard to take it back. Um, You're going to say these things to them and then you're going to live these things. And you're going to at some point introduce them to your other partners, which is going to be as awkward as the first time when you're out and your family's still freaking out. You bring a same-sex partner home. The parallels go on and on. You're going to introduce them to your partners. They're going to see that your partners are good and decent and kind and good to and good for you and your husband and they will eventually get the fuck over it. But it's going to take time and it's going to take some effort. It's going to take some work Um, and it's going to take you telling your sister to fuck off and it has nothing to do with her and it's none of her fucking business. And parents die. So if coincidentally your parents should die in the next few years, that's what fucking happens to parents, right? Uh, And she can't pin that on you. Again, anybody out there who's been through this, please call, leave a comment, uh, referral. I'm sure there are websites uh, or a book, some reading material for the caller. Find the tools to indulge your fantasies at ExtremeRestraints.com. Whether you want your wife to plow your ass with a three-inch wide strap-on dildo while your cock is locked in a steel chastity cage, or you want to spend an indulgent evening of self-pleasure with an eight-speed wand massager and an array of attachments, ExtremeRestraints.com has the toys for you. Save an extra 10% on giant dildos, wand massagers, steel cock toys, fucking machines, and everything else at ExtremeRestraints.com when you use the coupon code GGGSEPTEMBER. Double that discount if you use GGG September by Sunday. That's 20% off if you get in there and you use GGG September by Sunday.
Hi, Dan. Um, I am a 30-year-old woman, and I have a question about um, dating and uh, sort of monogamish arrangements. So a friend of mine is in a relationship where she is allowed to date, hook up with, have sex with women. And she has a dating profile online that explains all of this, and she's been very successful finding other women to date, hook up with, have sex with. So she was meeting this one girl who she had talked with a lot, and they had hit it off really well, and they went to go meet for a drink. And it turns out that this woman was a trans woman, but she had not transitioned. She did not disclose this to my friend before they met. Um, And the only reason why it came up was because uh, my friend made some offhand comment about how she wasn't really allowed to have a penis in the room, but that was the boundary for her and her partner. Um, And this really upset this trans woman, and she got very angry and stormed out and accused my friend and her boyfriend of being transphobic, narrow-minded assholes. Um, And I don't think that that's true. So my question to you is, is it narrow-minded transphobia to uh, have a rule like no additional penis in the room if you're going to hook up with me? You don't have to sleep with anyone that you don't want to sleep with. Period. The end. You need to be thoughtful and considerate about that. I think people need to examine their prejudices and certain sort of erotic assumptions that their brains may make. You know, sometimes our, our tastes and our choices are shaped by outside forces and if we actually think about them for five minutes, uh, our tastes will magically broaden. You know, a lot of people are only attracted to certain types you know, at 16 and are have much broader tastes at 26 or 36 than they did at 16. Um, but you don't have to sleep with anybody you don't want to sleep with. And a couple who has an open relationship – uh, and establishes rules that make that open relationship a possibility for them. However arbitrary or unfair or discriminatory those rules may seem to people outside the relationship, all of that's irrelevant. The, the, the opinions of people outside that relationship about that couple's rules, which are about those rules, they're instituted, they're created to make both partners feel safe and comfortable in that open relationship. Um, and they can seem, you know, sometimes – the rules a couple have can seem arbitrary uh, because it's about addressing one person's insecurities and you know you can sleep with anybody else but my dick's the only dick you get. Maybe that's arbitrary. Maybe that's about his insecurities but that's their rule. And your friend communicated that to her date when the subject came up in an appropriate time and she disclosed. Your, her date on the other hand had not disclosed and can be faulted for that. Perhaps she was going to roll that out in her good time. They weren't in bed together when your friend discovered that this woman has a penis. But that's all irrelevant to the fact that the rules this couple has established to make their open relationship feel safe and comfortable for both is uh, no other penises rule. Sorry. Uh, And that's just tough shit for her date with the penis. And when I say people should be thoughtful and considerate, I do think that some people when they, you know, who are not attracted to men with vaginas or women with penises, when they stop and think for a little while and they get over the first sort of, you know, rush of reaction and they examine actual erotic response or who they are, may find that they are attracted. There are gay men who are totally into Buck Angel, who is a man with a a vagina, Buck Angel, the man with a pussy, like it says on his website. Um, Some of those gay men initially weren't attracted to him. Their first reactions were sort of you know, negative. 
Uh, and then as they thought about it more and they met more trans men and they got you know acclimated to the whole trans man idea and the, the fact that more and more trans people are keeping their functioning genitals assigned at birth and changing everything else, they got over it, some of those guys. Your friend and her partner may get over it if they think about it for a little while. But it's up to them and they get to make the choice ultimately. And I would encourage people to be thoughtful. Uh, and to examine their prejudices and their assumptions about who and who you know who is attractive and who isn't attractive and who is male and who isn't female, but at the end of the day, if a couple establishes a rule like no other penises, that rule stands whether the penis is attached to a man or the penis is attached to a woman. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than one hundred thousand downloadable titles across all types of literature and featuring audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers. For listeners of this podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their service. One audiobook to consider is Hilary Mantel's Bring Up the Bodies, the second massive doorstop of a novel in her trilogy about Thomas Cromwell. It is amazing and brilliant. I just finished reading it on Dead Trees. But you can give Audible.com's service a try and download the audiobook version of Bring Up the Bodies. Just go to audiblepodcast.com slash savage. That's audiblepodcast.com slash savage. Hi, Dan. Hi, Tech Savvy at Rescue 24. Male, uh, straight, and I've been in a relationship with my girlfriend for a year now. Um, but basically, in the past two weeks, she's kind of been ignoring me. Um, she won't take my calls. She very rarely responds to my text messages. Um, and it's really only been in the past two weeks. Uh, about her, she has had a lot of family issues in the past couple weeks. Um, she recently got kicked out of her, her mom's house and had to move in with her grandparents because uh, her mom is crazy. Um, yeah, so there's that. And she's starting up school, so she's been busy getting ready for school. But um, I don't know. I guess it doesn't really seem like those are reasons to ignore me, um, and it kind of culminated finally when there was a day we planned on, on being together, and she wasn't getting back to me, so I, I drove out to her place, which I know is kind of creepy, but we planned on meeting, so I figured um, I should at least see what was up, and we kind of talked, got in a little bit of a fight. Um, she said she still loved me. She said she still wanted to be in a relationship with me. Uh, and I told her that she couldn't ignore me because that was a deal breaker. Um, and it got better for a couple of days, and now it's back to ignoring me. Um, I don't know what she's doing, where she is. She never uh, takes my call. Um, so, yeah. She's not ignoring you. She's dumping you. Dumped. Past tense. You have been dumped. Now, you know, I, I hate to be so blunt, but sometimes bluntness is uh, required. So my job description. Uh, she's saying one thing and doing another. You know, when you went and found her, she chickened out. She couldn't say to your face that, uh, you know, for whatever reason, she wants to put things on hold or end things. So she's told you what you wanted to hear. Maybe you're – maybe she felt uh, – coerced or forced to say these things that she still loves you and she still wants to be in a relationship and then she immediately went back into hiding which tells me that 
Even if she has feelings for you, even if she does actually love you, she doesn't want to be with you now. And so it is ending. She is withdrawing. And you say that being ignored is a deal breaker for you. Okay, so you guys are on the same page. It's over. She's ignoring you because she wants out. Being ignored means you want out. So get out. It's done. Send her one last note that says that it feels weird that it's ending this way, but you're still open to picking things back up if and when she is ready to have a relationship. And clearly now with school and the drama at home, she's not ready and you're just going to very gracefully retire. And and this is the right thing to do in a case like this. You know, don't go stand under a window holding a boombox over your head like John Cusack and whatever the fuck that movie was. Uh, don't chase after someone who is pulling away from you. What you want to do is be graceful about it uh, and say, when you're ready, I'm here. That says to that person that you're sane. That says to your person that when they're ready, maybe they do want to get back together with you because you're clearly not crazy and you can respect you know, where they're at right now. Chasing after someone, hounding someone who is withdrawing from you only convinces that person to pull further away. And then when they are ready to date or be with somebody again, they will remember what a nut you were and they won't want to get back together with you. So be gracious, be the grown-up, send her one last text message or note or letter saying clearly things are on hold or over for now. I'm out here when you're ready, if you're ever ready. If I never hear from you again, I wish you luck and have a great life. Hi, Dan. I'm a kinky 23-year-old straight male. I'm working on coming to terms with my sexuality and attempting to find a romantic, psychological, and snuggle-filled relationship. Here are some things that are important to me. Personality is a top priority. I'm looking for someone ambitious, driven, intelligent, and amiable. I'm attracted to fatter women from moderately chubby to extremely heavy. Mutual respect is especially important to me because in my relaxed relationship, I did not feel respected nor appreciated. I also have some very bizarre kinks. I'm turned on by Vore. Specifically, I'm into role-playing about female characters devouring other people, monsters, and things equal to or larger than themselves in size. I'm into weight gain, but immobility is an extreme turn-off. I adore both possible and impossible levels of gluttony. I find women belching exceptionally attractive. The more disgusting, the sexier. Preferably, the woman belching understands how vile it is for others and draws pleasure from that fact. A lot of these kinks relate to what I view as a predatory personality, which I find incredibly attractive. I am not interested in a sexual relationship or genitalia whatsoever. I understand that a partner may need to have sex elsewhere, and I fully support whatever makes her happy. I am interested in an in-depth romantic relationship that includes physical affection. It's important to me that I can make my partner happy and that she appreciates the time and effort I put in to do so. My questions are, how do I take steps towards finding a relationship that fulfills my needs? Where do I find a woman like this? When and how should I talk about my kinks and the fact that I'm not interested in sex? I don't have any traditional dating experience. When I find someone, how do I approach her? It's important to me that I'm honest with everyone in my life. And if I want to pursue a romantic relationship, my partner should know what she's getting into. Okay, so I just listened to your call. How old are you? I'm 24, sir. Okay, and you say you've never... I just turned 24 last week. Congratulations. And you say you've never dated? 
I've never gone through, through dating. The last uh, relationship I was in, I had met my significant other online, and we just uh, had gotten to know each other through talking. So I didn't have to go through all the bullshit with dating to actually find out how to meet someone. And this, were you, were you open with this person that you were sort of online dating about your endless list of highly specific kinks? Yes. <laughs> and was she into it? Uh, some of the things she was into and other things not as much. And was that a deal breaker for you that this person wasn't into everything? No, that wasn't the deal breaker at all. I, I was very happy with that side of things. Uh, it was more of uh, I didn't feel respected in the relationship. And it, the relationship lasted for six years, so I was... I assumed that was just kind of how relationships went at the moment, but Wait, it was my first serious relationship. How much FaceTime was there in the six years? Um, it was very erratic because uh, since we lived far away from each other, I would go to visit her and then I would spend like three weeks just okay, entirely so- with her for a period of time. And then there would be a large five-month gap or something where we would only converse online and okay, then so, another... But, but it wasn't an, an online-only relationship. You actually met this person. No, she existed. You guys spent time together. Yeah. I flew out to visit her. We had a lovely time. It, it was great. It's just that we had a, a few issues in our relationship. That's okay, all. and so now you're looking for your ideal woman who is into all of those things that you mentioned and isn't interested in having sex with her primary romantic partner, who would be you... And you would be there to enjoy these food scenes and belching and vor and everything else, correct? That would be lovely. And yeah, that would be – if I could make steps towards going in that direction, I would really appreciate it. Okay. Well, you know, specificity is the enemy of romance. Like the more – the longer your list and the more specific it is and the crazier it is – and I use crazy in the sex-positive sense. I'm all for the crazy, Right. No, I understand. The it's harder it is, the the harder it is to find a match. The harder it is to find someone who's compatible, who's into everything that you're into, or willing to go there because they're so into you, right? Like I've always said, you go to the kink clubs, and half the people there were kinky when they were thirteen, and half the people there got kinky after they fell in love with someone who was kinky. So there may be someone out there for you, but it's going to be a long and and odds are fruitless search. If, you know, if your list is really this insane and this long and, you know, what you want is somebody that you don't have to have sex with, you know, there may be a woman out there who's into all this or willing to do all this, but she's going to expect some like fucking in return and having her pussy eaten in return for all the doing that she's doing for you and the role playing that she's doing for you. So, you know, thank God for the Internet because the Internet is this great sifting mechanism that has allowed however fine grained your kink is, however rare, unique, specific, or lengthy your list, you can find somebody who matches if you keep looking and looking and looking and looking. So that's what you have to do. Look and look and look and look. So what's the best way to look is my question then. A million websites, put up your own website, put up, you know, go to the the kink websites and just advertise them, you know, feeding, gaining, vor, those are real kinks, real fetishes. There are other people out there who are into those things. Some of those people are women. There's plenty of big women out there. Please, God, though, don't find some heavy woman who has terrible self-esteem who will do all this for you just to have a man in her life 
and oh, destroying yourself. Um, okay, good. I want you to remember that because you may meet, if you're advertising for large women, very large women, women who have very low self-esteem, who are very battered and neglected, who are willing to do anything to have some romantic attention from a man. And you may meet someone who will do all this for you and be even more shredded after she's with you than she was before you came along. Don't pray. Do not want to Don't pray on someone's insecurities and self-hatred that way, okay? Of course. Good. That said, you have the pick of – there are lots of women out there who are big. There are women out there who are into goth and vor and feeding and gaining. You can start looking for them. Um, and, and put yourself out there. A lot of those women are going to expect sex in their relationship. You're listening to your call. I actually sat here. I wrote down on my notepad. This is why I'm so for the coming of the sex bots. There are some folks out there, the centaur fetishists, the giant women fetishists, uh, you whose list of kinks and everything are so specific and detailed that what they really need is someone they can program, something they can program who can be everything that they imagine. That's not always possible. You may have to enjoy most of what turns you on through fantasy, through drawings, through cartoons, through swapping dirty stories with other people who share your kinks. But you know the odds are slim that this woman is going to roll into your life, belch for you in public, eat things that are bigger than she is. Well, obviously the things that are reality prevented. Uh, I understand can't be so huge. So my advice to you and is I understand it will be difficult. hang a million shingles, reconcile yourself to the fact that you may have to settle for someone who brings a little bit of what you want to the table, but not all of what you want to the table because all of, of what you want is a whole lot to ask. Yeah. <laughs> and look forward to the coming of the sex bots. You're young. You may still be around when the sex bots come online. Woo for technology. Yeah, woo for technology because – because some of us have kinks and fetishes and interests that can only be finally and ultimately and completely realized if we can program it. Okay? I don't mean to jump. I'm not, I'm not battering you. I think it's great that you can articulate you know, what your desires are, what you're interested in. I'm going to hold you. I will find you and kill you if you don't hold yourself to what you said about not exploiting somebody's insecurities and self-hatred to get what you want. Um, and it sounds like you're really sincere about that. So mad props as the kids were saying 20 years ago, to you for that. You seem like a nice, charming, articulate, self-aware guy. There's somebody out there who would be willing to do for you, maybe. It's going to take a while for you to find that someone, that particular someone who's into or can put up with or take pleasure in these kinks, wants a primary partner, isn't interested in sex with that primary partner, or isn't interested in sex at all. You got a long list. I wish there was a way to reduce my list in a way that I would still feel fulfilled? How is there, since you were saying that uh, obviously no relation is, oh, everything just goes super ideally, how do you work on, okay, there are a bunch of things that I'm interested in, obviously, how do I filter down to making more realistic expectations knowing what I enjoy? <laughs> well, realistically, there are a lot of women out there who are heavy. There's Feeding and gaining is a thing. There are plenty of women who are into that kink. It's not like adult babies, which tend to be overwhelmingly heterosexual men and very few heterosexual women. Uh, feeding and gaining seems to be more evenly distributed across genders as a fetish. And you can find somebody who's into all that. And then the rest of it, the belching and whatever else, I can't, I can't even remember your list. Um, those are things you can negotiate. And some of those things she may enjoy doing for you. 
And some of those things she may not enjoy and you'll have to just masturbate like crazy about the things that you don't get to do in your relationship and enjoy the things that you do get to do in your relationship. I mean that's everybody's sex life, right? You have this you have this body of interests, you meet somebody, you know, you want your sex life is a Venn diagram. If you you know when you're coupled, you want a lot of overlap, but nobody's, you know, coupled sex Venn diagram is a perfect circle. There's always some things that are outside that you're not getting and you beat off about those things and you enjoy porn and you swap stories online. And you're you're 24, you know you're going to live actuarial tables another 60 years you will be here for the coming of the sex bots if you do your due diligence and you look and look and put yourself out there and she never comes along you may be able to buy her in 50 years buy that ideal 500 pound sex bot well thank you very much for your kind and helpful words it's really i've had a lot of trouble with uh coming to terms with my sexuality and i don't feel i've fully done so yet but even managing to talk to you on the phone has been really helpful for me thank you so much Good luck. Hi, Dan. I am in a very committed relationship. It's been over four years, and I want to spend the rest of my life with this man. We have a business together. We work really well together. Uh, Obviously, we have an issue. Otherwise, I wouldn't be calling, Um, and that issue is that he's a smoker, and we've come up against it in many different ways, and I hate it. it's the worst part of our relationship. Um, and recently, I realized that I have all these negative emotions connected to it. Uh, I have guilt that he can't smoke in front of me because I, I make him feel uh, bad about who he is. There's anger and disgust, and it turns me off. And um, if he was doing anything else that made me feel this myriad of negativity, I would not be with him, um, and so I gave him the three options, uh, I can't deal with these feelings anymore, so I said, he quits, I learn how to change my feelings surrounding this issue through a lot of hard work, or we break up, um, yeah, he just tried to quit and failed, I don't know what else to do. I, I'm going to really try to be okay with just being with a smoker because he's the person I want. I'm just stuck. Uh, I thought you might be able to help. I feel your pain. I had a boyfriend. Uh, we were together for a year. The night I met him, we went outside the bar. He lit a cigarette. I looked at him like, oh, deal breaker. And he didn't – you know, I didn't say anything out loud and he looked at me and went, I'm quitting on New Year's Eve. It, I mean, we met on Christmas Eve. Um, it was a decent relationship and he quit or so he told me but he – kept tasting and smelling like my father, who was a smoker. And he would get mad at me when I would say, you are smoking. I can tell. So smokers, you know, brushing your teeth, chewing gum, even taking a shower, it really doesn't make the stench go away. A woman jumped on a elliptical next to me at the gym the other day. I had to move because she smelled so bad. And taste – anyway, I, I feel your pain. I was there. I was in a relationship with a smoker. We were committed. We moved in with each other and smoking for me is such a huge issue that I just – it was one of the things that contributed to the end of the relationship because he wasn't going to quit or be able to quit. And we're still friends decades later and he still smokes. I hate to uh, throw that out there before I throw out many people who quit, successfully quit. They have to make multiple attempts before they succeed in quitting and they have to be motivated to quit. I think 
hopefully in your relationship, you say you live together, you know, this is the, the one or the one you've rounded up to the one. You have a business together. Extricating yourself from this relationship sounds like it would be really emotionally traumatizing. And so you might want to invest a little more time and effort and he might want to invest a little more time and effort in trying to fucking quit. Like they say at the American Lung Association, the average successful ex-smoker had to make several if not a dozen attempts at quitting before they succeeded in quitting. Get him to quit. Pressure him to quit. Build all sorts of inconveniences into his smoke. Hopefully he doesn't – you know, you're 21st century folks and he doesn't smoke inside your house. Not that that makes him smell any better or taste any better. Uh, but if you can minimize his smoking and then he can fucking do it and quit, you can stay together. God, I hate cigarettes. I hate what they do to people. I hate what they did to my mother. I hate what they do uh, to people's relationships. I sometimes think smokers don't realize how – depressing, dispiriting uh, their habit is and the impact it can have on a non-smoking partner. That shit smells bad. You smell bad. It creates a tremendous disincentive to be intimate with someone who stinks and it's a disgusting habit and it costs a lot of money and tobacco companies give a lot of money to right-wing Republican douchebag assholes. It's just a stupid fucking thing to do uh, and I'm sorry that it's causing so much trouble in your relationship and hopefully – uh, this guy, I think he's worth a little more investment of your time and energy, will get there and quit for you. Harder to quit than heroin, though. More addictive than heroin. I know a couple people who stopped smoking, though, uh, using a self-help book. I don't recommend a lot of self-help books on the podcast, but, but I'm going to recommend this one on the recommendation of a couple of my friends. It's called The Easy Way to Stop Smoking by Alan Carr. And guess what? It's available on audible.com where you can... Download a book for free by going to audiblepodcast.com slash savage to try out their service for the first time. Uh, but apparently it really works. Um, my friends who are not self-help book advice types uh, swear by it and uh, both have been smoking for many, many years and read this book and stopped. So maybe you could get this book for your boyfriend, The Easy Way to Stop Smoking by Ellen Carr, available in print at Amazon, bookstores everywhere uh, and audible.com too. Hey Dan, um, I'm a 24-year-old straight female calling from Los Angeles. I have a cousin out here who is an actor. He's a comedian, um, and he's relatively well-known. And uh, something kind of weird happened. Um, this past weekend, I went on an OkCupid date with this guy who I just met totally randomly. Um, and I posted something about my cousin on my Facebook, and he asked me, oh, do you like that comedian. I said, yeah, I'm related to him. And this guy went, oh, I know a girl who had an affair with him. And I was like, what? And I, he said, yeah, this girl at a party said she had this like long going thing with him and blah, blah, blah. And I was just sort of like, it was, the, I don't know why the hell he told me after I told him, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, but he basically told me that a girl who goes to college in the same city was having an affair with my cousin. And he wouldn't tell me a name. He said he didn't remember, but who knows if that's because he's covering his ass or if he really just doesn't. Um, so I know it, I might be just going overboard and taking somebody's word for it, but it just feels like this guy didn't have any reason to lie about it. And I feel really awful because my cousin is married. I don't know what to do. Um, I've seen him 
her, his wife, a couple times, and every time I see her, I just feel like shit because I just feel like I'm lying about it. And I don't know if maybe they have an arrangement, maybe they have a thing. I don't know, but I feel really awful about it, and I don't know if I should say anything or not or if I should confront him or if I should just butt the fuck out and pretend I didn't hear it. I don't know. But anyways, I really appreciate your advice. I have reason to doubt it. Somebody you don't know told you that somebody he didn't know told him at a party that she was fucking a famous actor. How often does that happen in Los Angeles where somebody claims to be fucking someone they're not? Pretty fucking often that fucking happens in fucking Los Angeles. I think you should give your cousin the benefit of the doubt. I think you should butt the fuck out even if it was true. It's none of your fucking business. I have a lot of cousins. If I heard through the grapevine and the rumor mill that one of them was fucking somebody that they weren't married to, I would think, whatever. Hope he doesn't get caught. None of my fucking business. The only reason you regard this is in any way as your business is that your cousin is kind of famous and it has that celebrity, you being kind of involved in the celebrity sex life scandal vibe. Just leave it the fuck alone. Back the fuck away from it. Maybe they have a deal, your cousin and his wife. Uh, that allows for this. Or maybe he had an affair and got caught and they processed it and it's all water under the bridge. Maybe she knows and turns a blind eye. Maybe they have an open relationship. You don't know. All that anyone will know if you burst into the room and confront your cousin about this is that you are a gullible Budinsky moron. That's all anyone will know for sure if you burst into your cousin's house and confront him about what you heard from somebody that you met online, heard at a party about him from a woman he didn't know. Leave it the fuck alone. Just leave it alone. I just listened to your advice to that guy who was cuddling with the woman. He was not a big asshole. Uh, maybe a little. Women like to cuddle more than men, okay? I don't think he was that big of an asshole. You're a little bit too hard on the poor kid. Hi, this is in response to the snuggling asshole from last week. Um, let me state the obvious here. How would you like it if a woman did that to you, who you were really attracted to? You know, invited you over and snuggled with you on the couch and went for a walk with you in the park? It would be pretty shitty, wouldn't it? Hey, Dan, just a comment. Uh, you mentioned on Twitter or somewhere that using your name in an online dating profile is a good code to let people know that you're a GGG. I've been in a multi-year dry spell and updated my profile yesterday to mention you. And today I woke up with a naked girl in my bed. And she explicitly told me she messaged me because I mentioned you. So, yeah, that shit works. Thanks. And we're going to leave it there. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the podcast. If you'd like to record a call or a question or a belch for a future program, because it would certainly delight some of our listeners if you just called it belched, give us a buzz at 206-201-2720. Follow me on Twitter at FakeDanSavage. You can leave a comment on any show you like at thestranger.com slash lovecast. The podcast is produced every week by Nancy Hartunian with the assistance of the tech-savvy at-risk youth. And me and the tech savvy at risk youth and Nancy will be back at you next week with another installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thanks for downloading.